All right. So hi, I'm Julie um, Yermes with um, Take One Patient Podcast. Uh, and I am very excited that we're going to be talking today with Jermaine McCauley. Um, she is the director of patient experience. She's been in patient experience for a really, really long time. Um, and, and she works with a lot of hospitals to increase um, the, the, the ratings in order to, to make their hospitals show that they're really abiding by patient communication and abiding by patient experience and all of those things. So this episode of Take One Patient is with Jermaine McCauley. Let's start. So Jermaine, tell me a little bit about your role in a hospital as a patient experience officer. What, what does that entail and why is it important? So my role in a hospital is to help drive uh, strategic initiatives around the patient experience. And several of those initiatives have to do with evidence-based practices. Uh, much of it has to do with culture. A lot of it has to do with physician and employee engagement. And in the end, hopefully, by providing exceptional patient care, uh, we then achieve really great HCAP scores, our lagging indicator to, um, as evidence of the care we've provided. So those with those HCAP scores, there is, uh, in the end, um, those are attached to value-based purchasing. And with value-based purchasing, there are dollars attached there. So our goal is to really change culture. Uh, we work with the strategic, um, with the strategic um, team to drive change. So how do you think that communication really plays into a patient experience um, as far as the way that a patient is even just being talked to in that respect? Communication, whether it's uh, as a leader or as an employee, doesn't matter. Communication is the core of life, right? It's yeah. the core of every single relationship we have. And that is no different in a hospital where emotions run high, this is your only mother. This is your only sister. And communication is everything. So, you know, we can't always control outcomes for patients. We can't always control uh, their disease process. What we can control is how we communicate about those things. Communication is absolutely everything from the doctor to the patient, from the nurse to the patient, from each of the support or service uh, technicians to the patient, communication helps to alleviate anxiety. The more you tell me as an informed person, a person who wants to know what's happening to me, you know, I've lost control as a patient of everything in my life. I've lost control of the clothes I wear. I've lost control of the food I eat when I'm a hospitalized patient. I've lost control of who gets to come in and out of my room. I've lost control of my ability to move around freely. The only thing I have control of is information and communication. So yeah. communication is everything. That's so interesting that you say that because I guess I never really thought of it in that way, that the lack of control of, okay, all of a sudden, I don't know who's coming in and out. I don't have any say for my schedule, how the day is going to look, all of those things. So outside of being overly, you know, not overly, probably respectively emotional about the situation for yourself is where it was maybe someone you're caring for, that lack of control is, is a really hard space for a lot of patients to be in. You know, 
too. Huge. And for family members, think about it. As a family member, you've really lost control, right? You yeah. may not even be able to, in the times of this pandemic, be able to visit your family member. So yeah. again, communication is key. How do I know what's happening to mom? How do I know what you're doing today? How do I know mom's okay? How do I know who's taking care of mom today? Those are all things, again, the lack of communication leads to greater anxiety and suffering. And that's what we do in healthcare is we try to alle alleviate suffering right. and uh, lack of communication is suffering. So when you are seeing, you know, providers, you know, obviously if there's a, a not great experience, it does a, impact the patient. It does actually impact the finances of the hospital. And that's why these things are measured. So for pay for providers, that you see are like excellent communicators consistently, you know, scoring the highest on patient experience scores. Um, what do they do differently than those that um, are scoring lower um, with patient experience? What do they do differently in the way um, they communicate to patients and families? Providers who score higher in my 35 years of being uh, in service excellence and patient experience, I can tell you, those providers who consistently score higher tend to consistently do certain practices. And one of those practices is they sit at the bedside as much as they can. Sometimes you have large groups, right? Uh, so you may have a neurosurgeon and, a, um, and several residents if you're a teaching hospital, uh, just that sort of thing. But sitting at the bedside's key looking that patient in the eye, however that happens, placing a hand on the patient's arm as you're speaking, and then asking, tell me what questions you have. That's huge, as opposed to a hand on the door saying, do you have any questions? Yeah. Uh, really, really wanting to understand, tell me what questions you have, or tell me what you understand about the plan of care I've explained to you. Because that's truly caring. Do we really know the patient understood what was said? So yeah. we see that the, the physicians who get greater scores are ones who really want to know, did the patient understand what I just said? Yeah. As opposed to wanting, you know, needing to get on to the next patient. Do you have any questions? And right. getting out of the room. It's those physicians who are invested in their yeah. patients understanding what's happened to them. Well, and I think you just hit really two two important things. The first one is all about nonverbals, which is actually when you're thinking, okay, the act of sitting versus standing, um, the act of just pure eye contact, uh, the act of like reaching out and touching someone. It literally doesn't then matter. Well, I mean, it matters, but like sounds like what comes out of the mouth or the way that they present something or the way they say something matters less than just simply the act of like, sitting down for a second and like reaching a hand out, which is three, four seconds to kind of like make sure that you're in the, in the good physical space um, before you're even communicating. And that's really interesting. You know, they did Moravian and I'm sure, you know, Dr. Moravian, he did all these studies about communication and that verbals were seven or not 9% and nonverbals like tonal and body language had such a bigger impact in the way that someone was being received. So that's interesting that you say, oh, they say this or they say that. They just sit down. 
they sit down, they get at eye level. That says to the patient so many nonverbal things. So such a great point, Julie. It says, I'm here to listen to you. It says, we're even. So I'm. you're no longer a subordinate to me. I'm not standing over you in my crisp, clean, you know, um, lab jacket with my hair's perfect and I smell good. And, you know, I have all of this knowledge about you. The patient already feels a bit inferior in that situation. So to sit at eye level says, I'm here to look at you as an equal to me and I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to explain things to you. And patients perceive, and there's many, many studies out there um, you can you can research, but uh, there's studies out there that show patients perceive that a physician stayed longer when they sit versus stand. Right. Wow. And you think about it, it's like half a second to sit down. You know what I mean? Right. And that, and exactly. That was, as you said, it's we are a team. We are we are on this together. We're looking at this together. And it is I, I can see, especially when you're saying what you said before, is it gives the perception of I have nowhere to be. Like I like e- even though he does or she does, I'm sure they're very, you know, in that, but just that I have this extra time to sit and, and thinking about that. I mean, how long does it take to sit down? Half a second, you know, just to have that. Um so yeah, I think it's I'm sorry, if you think of someone who comes over to your house, right? Someone who you value and respect and you really, you know, really want to see them and um, speak with them. If they walked into your house and just stood there, it's a different perception than if they said, is it okay if I take a seat? Of course, yeah. please take a seat. Wow. You're going to sit with me. Yeah. Well, and right? even thinking about, so I have twin two-year-olds and they're, you know, two-year-olds. So they're right at that age where they're trying to communicate. They're feeling out of control, like very similar. And that's a lot of the reading I've been doing is bend down, get on their level, and then talk to them that way. Because yeah, I'm out of control. I don't know what I want. I know I want something. I mean, it's so, it's so similar. It's just basic, you know, thought process there. That's, that's interesting. And that's something I think that's an easy trick that takes an extra half second, you know, same with eye contact, extra half second, just to make sure if you think of nothing else in that time, just think of those two things and then allow yourself to just give the information as you do normally. Absolutely. And that listening, listening to someone's concerns, uh, you know, it's it's a skill and uh, not always taught in a nursing school or medical school, but just to really be present in the moment. It's another thing sitting does is, is it says I'm present here with you right now. You yeah. have my attention. And by being very focused, by listening well and saying, I'm going to be back tomorrow or my resident will be back tomorrow. Uh, do me a favor and write down any questions you have because we want to be sure to be able to answer your questions when we come. Uh, and then you can also really direct the conversation so you're not in a room for long periods of time. You can get in there, be very strategic, make sure your patient understands what's happening. That's really what great doctors do. And the other thing I would add, just the last piece, is these, you know, when I say great doctors, you know, you could be great clinically, you can be great. Um, in terms of communication and age caps or quality outcomes. But if you're well-rounded, all hitting it on all cylinders, right? Quality, finance, patient experience, you name it. Um, then I would say um, another thing is really your patients have to trust you. Trust that your plan of care is the best plan of care for them. 
trust that you're um, <clears throat> that you are invested or you care about them. One way to do that is sometime in that encounter, connect on that patient, connect in a personal level, right? Um, can I get you a warm blanket? Can I ask your nurse to get you a warm blanket? Can I get yeah. you a warm blanket? You know, is there something you need? Can I turn off your light? You know, would you like me to close your curtain for your privacy? Something or who, who sent you the flowers? Who are the pretty pictures from? When a patient sees that you saw past just clinical cells and you yeah. touched one, yeah. they're a human being who's suffering. Um, that really goes far in creating a trusting relationship. Right. And it kind of goes back into just as you said, is taking a second to listen and taking a second even to have something that's just not not patient related. Because back to yes. what you said at the very beginning, which I thought was really profound, is like this person's lost all control. They're only being seen as a patient. A lot of them have, you know, parent, or, you know, our parents or executives or work, and, and they're used to having a lot of that power. And so now they're like, oh, I'm just this patient that's being picked and prodded or whatever. So having even like a second of personal element, 10 seconds yeah. of, hey, what, what can I do? I'm still here, you know, to, to do anything. Don't like it break the barriers of that doctor patient relationship down just a bit to kind of say, okay, like as a human first, I'm here before the person that's educated to take care of you, you know? It's a dignity factor. And it's like Maya Angelou says, you know, I don't uh, care how much you know till I know how much you care. Yeah. You know, these things are out and we measure how often um, doctors treat you with courtesy and respect. May not seem like a big deal, um, but that is on HCAP for a reason. Patients yeah. have to have a trusting relationship in order to uh, follow the plan of care to trust Medicare, to trust in their physician. It goes a long, long way. You know, it's interesting also, too, with what you said, is the things that you're saying are so simple and basic. Like, it's it's not simple and basic. It's it's actually, like, very, you know, like, thoughtful. But it's something really easy for someone to implement right away. Of like, all of a sudden, just like, don't think of anything else. Just sit down. Um, yep. Don't think of anything else. Sit down, eye contact. Like, those are your two things to do first. And then even like before you leave the room, like, did you have anything that like you need, you know, those are three things that don't take a lot of time. And I think people always are like, oh, it's how to improve communication. I need to just talk more. And that's not what you're saying. You're saying just do these little tiny pieces and it will provide a better experience of communication, a better experience, you know, to that patient. Well said. And truthfully, if I had a short list, I'll tell you what, if I needed to, if I were working with an organization to improve um, patient experience around uh, physician communication, first thing I, I would do that absolute short list because you can't give people, you know, a, a whole lot of things to improve. But there's some simple things, like you said, this is a short list. Sit down when you can. Can't always sit down. Many hospitals have invested in listening stools. Uh, it's a great idea. They hang on the wall, don't take up a lot of space provider can plop one down, even if there are many, uh, like I said, residents and, you know, everybody in the room, one person sits down. Um, but that's huge. So one, sit down when you can, you can't always, but when you can, um, two, make a personal connection, three, explain and ask, what do you understand that I've just explained to you? That's, that's it. You hit those three, you never have to look back at each couch, just 
wait for those great scores to come in and know that your patients understand their plan of care. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so one thing that's starting to become more prevalent, um, as we know, and you know, um, we work, you know, I work with medical memory that actually is video recording a lot of these encounters and, and, and to hit upon what you were saying is not only does the patient has the patient lost control, but their family members have also lost control and don't understand what's happening and don't understand what's going on. Um, what are your thoughts as far as some of these providers that are now using either a, a telehealth that's consistent or a lot of these hospitals are now starting to record these interactions that we just talked about, sitting on the bed, reaching out, how much do you understand? Let's have a conversation. A lot of these doctors and practices are recording these so that the family members get those updates and the patients can reaccess those. Um, but one thing is, how do you think that defers the way uh, or things that they should think about now that all of a sudden, like, take one, like it's being recorded. These these uh, interactions are being recorded. Uh, so, you know, it was really interesting um, with this pandemic, how we suddenly became a virtual world, right? Meetings became virtual, patient visits Many hospitalists at my hospital were visiting patients virtually who were COVID positive. Um, There were just, you know, telemedicine just boomed and you didn't have to go into your doctor's office, which was a plus. You could just uh, do a telemedicine um, visit and those go on today. So really saw this boom in these virtual visits. So that kind of changed the way healthcare is provided. The other thing is families couldn't visit, people used FaceTime, they used different tools to contact family, to allow family members to, um, you know, speak with their loved one. So that was huge for the patients and for families as well. Yeah. Uh, the One of the tools we used was medical memory, and that, that for me changed the face of, of the way we deliver information. And I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you why. I think FaceTime's wonderful for a patient who has COVID to speak to a family member real time uh, in a back and forth exchange. I think it's it's just really good for those family to family member to patient communications. It's great. When I think about telemedicine and I think about other tools used to um, to talk with patients about health care, about very important health information, medical information that's kind of difficult to follow for patients, especially if you have brain fog, right? Um, so what we, when medical memory, the difference was this video recording is made of the provider or the nurse or the technician, whoever, um, to have a conversation with the patient, it's recorded. And therefore, the family and the patient can watch it and say, what What did the doctor say? Whereas if I did FaceTime and gave that medical information, or if I did telemedicine and gave that information, I still have that same deficit I had if I delivered that information at the bedside. I still am not sure they understood everything I said. I'm not sure they understood the plan of care. But if if they have a video and if a video is pushed to family and if a video, the patient has it, now you have this team approach. Everyone can pause, rewind, pause, rewind, 
we better watch that again. What did the doctor say about wound care when mom gets home? Um, so that was a game changer for us during COVID. And, and it really drove home the difference between I'm going to deliver this message. I'm going to let you have this conversation. I'm going to deliver this information to you. And now poof, it's gone, right? Once that call hangs up, once that virtual visit is, is over, the information's gone. With yeah. medical memory, that information's still there. That was the difference. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So we, we, uh, we medical memory, we were out in Arizona and we were recording a, or a few patient testimonials. And one of our patients was telling me, you know, he's like, to be able to not only like rewatch that video, but he's like, we all were in different, I have six sisters. I am the, I am the uh, power attorney. And he's like, so it's not only just the doctor's responsibility to make sure that I understand everything. But now it's my responsibility to make sure all my siblings, mm -hmm. we're already playing the game of telephone mm -hmm. like three or four times. Yeah. So yeah. he was saying, you know, to now have that recorded and be able to share it with all of them, just as you said, we all knew how to support, but also we got to see the doctor doing the little things that you said on your checklist. He's like, we got to see that he was laughing with her about how she always needed an extra blanket. And we were seeing that he sat down with her and had that conversation. And so he said, not only did she, he start seeing, okay, he's treating my parent as a person, but we're also seeing, we're seeing this doctor as a person. We're seeing this doctor yeah. as someone that's like doing the best he can for my mom and not just me seeing it, but now my family member, we all have the ability to make better decisions and better understand it and watch it three or four times. But we saw that human element of him which put us at ease and definitely made us trust him more because we could see the care he was providing to our mom. And I thought that was really interesting that you always think of it, doctors just think of it the other way, like, oh my God, what are they gonna see? What if what they see is you being gentle and kind and empathetic and doing all the things you already do really, really well. Like you're, they're looking for the best in you, not looking for a reason to be upset, you know? And that was the first reaction that this patient had, you know? I, I, you, you know what? Absolutely. And the truth is, think about when we used to allow, it seems like so long ago, the all family members at the bedside. I have five, um, you know, brother, I have four brothers and one sister, so five siblings. Um, and everyone has different questions. And people like, you know, sit around like kind of stalking the doctor waiting for the doctor to show up. I have to hear what the doctor says because God forbid you miss that window. It's yeah. gone, right? Yeah. If, you, if you don't hit that bewitching hour, you, it is over forever and never get it back. And yeah. mom sure can't explain it back to me. You know, yeah. so the fact is it takes away that anxiety and suffering. Yeah. That's the beauty of this. The other piece I would say is just what you said, how caring is it that your provider cares so much that your provider is willing to be transparent and put on video those instructions? So not only you have to, you don't only have to remember it, it's on video, but your family can also see it and they can help you. How caring is that to insulate that patient? How caring is that to be transparent if the information you're delivering, you should never, as a provider, you know, think the information I'm telling a patient about pre-op work or, or, or pack in the PACU about the surgery or at the bedside, the plan of care, 
you know, worried about that information being used against you. Hopefully that information is solid and sound and based on science and, and research. And so what, you know, there's no problem with it being recorded. It's, it's what you say to your patients. So the transparency is key too. Again, when you talked about Julie, these, um, you know, body language or these um, other things people can infer from your actions, I would infer, wow, that's a transparent provider. Wow, that provider didn't pay extra to do this. Yeah. That provider is so confident in this plan, that provider is willing to put it on video. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what you saw too. Then like, okay, taking it out of you that experience for a patient is you saw that, wait a minute, when this was even happening, it, it's showing in data, it's showing in money back into the hospital. Like there's a true ROI to, to even having that recorded. You even saw too. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so it does kind of go of like, you know, outside of the, the, there's always, you know, medicine still is a business, no matter how much we want to pretend it's not, it is. And it still is like, wait a minute, when we actually are being more transparent, we are providing this extra second to sit down and lean in and eye contact or pressing record, you know, on the device, it does actually, it does actually support the hospital too. And, and it's interesting. You said that is, you know, recording over 86, I think we're up to 87,000 patients at this point. Uh, we've never had anyone be sued because of one of the videos, not once. So why not, but we haven't. And, and, and yeah. actually, they, we've had a few providers that have used the video to say, I clearly told you to stop smoking and not smoke. Yes, absolutely. You know, like, it's, it's, it's providers, I think, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or what we've evolved of everyone's looking to sue. And I, I don't think it is. I think people are just looking to to be supported and get some of that control back that, that you say is so hard that they can't have, you know, in, in the hospital. And I think that's where... Um, start seeing it more that way versus, well, it's going to happen. You know, what, what are like two things that I can do that won't take up any time to make this easier? Sit down, prep record, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you there are, um, again, 35 years in healthcare, uh, you know, started out as a surgical tech in the army and I have seen every <laughs> patient encounter you can see i have lived on the front lines right uh and i'm gonna tell you patients who sue sue because they're angry and a lot of times it has to do with the lack of communication people who file complaints file complaints because they're angry and generally they feel something's been withheld from them in terms of information so when patients trust their provider when patients feel their provider care about them as a person they are less likely to sue, even if something goes wrong. We patients, just like anyone else, you and I, understand human error. We understand yeah. our bodies are not an exact science, right? Anything yeah. yeah. can happen, but we trust in that provider's skills. We trust in that provider's competence. Uh, we trust that the, the decisions they're making are clinically sound, and we know there are risks. They're explained to us in detail. And uh, so patients definitely get it. There are risks. When I see people angry, predominantly, it has to do with a lack of communication. 
lack of control, you know, back yep. to that. That's so interesting you said that. Well, awesome, Jermaine. You are always a depth and breadth of knowledge. I love like the three little things you even mentioned that are so simple and easy to think about, um, you know, sitting down, leaning in, asking one question. I mean, that's something I think someone could really almost start utilizing tomorrow as a, yeah. as a trick to just think a little differently, you know, change yeah. it up. Um, so I always appreciate you and your wisdom. And um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and for anyone that ever has any questions about what it means for recording and the implications there, go to the website, medicalmemory.com or download the app, um, to try it out or see if you have any questions. Thanks again, Jermaine. I appreciate you. Thank Bye. you, Julie. <laughs> Take care.